Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. It's great to see you today here at the Father's House. In case you don't know, I'm Pastor Terry Mahan. Uh, I, I felt like a rookie today. It's been a while since I've been up here. But hasn't it been amazing that be in one church that we had so many speakers in the last several weeks that spoke with such anointing and such power and such direction? Wow. I'm a little nervous that I can't keep up, man. They all did such a great job. We're starting a brand new series today for the next several weeks called Mission Possible. Uh, Some of you that are old enough, like me, remember in 1966, a TV series called Mission Impossible. Remember that one? Intricate plots, dangerous situations, ingenious devices, split-second timing, and a guy by the name of uh, Jim Phelps would receive a message on a reel-to-reel tape recorder, all right? Reel-to-reel. How many of you remember some of those things? If you're not old enough to know that, you know the movie series. How many movies are out now? Four-something? I don't know. They just keep coming, right? Uh, Mission Possible. And so uh, Jim Phelps back then would get the chance, you can accept this um, challenge, this mission, or you can deny it. Of course, he would always accept it, and he would gather a team of specialists around him, and they would make the mission impossible become a mission possible. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, how many of you, by raising your hand, would say, there's no doubt about it, but I am a follower of Christ? Would you raise your hand? If Jesus were to comfort me right now, I know that I would be ready to go to meet him. Then let me tell you, you have been sent on a mission. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been sent on a mission. You've been sent on a mission. Paul tells us what that mission is. Sometimes people say, I just wish I knew my life mission. I want to give you your life mission, and here it is in this next verse. If you've ever doubted, What's my life mission? What, I am, what am I all about? Well, when you became a Christ follower, you surrendered your life. So you don't have a future anymore. Your future is in Christ. And so he has a mission for you, and here it is. Paul tells us. He says, I don't care about my life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission. And he says, here's my mission. If you ever doubted what your mission is, here it is. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. Well, what's the work? What's the work? Am I supposed to go volunteer, do this, do that? And then he says, if if that's not clear enough, let me tell you what it is. Read this last part of this sentence with me out loud. To tell people, uh, read it with me out loud, ready, go. 
to tell people the good news about God's grace. What's my life mission? To tell people the good news about God's grace. What's my life mission? To tell people the good news about God's grace. That's my mission. Though the word mission comes from a Latin word in our English language meaning sending. Say send. Sending. Uh, Jesus, before uh, he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed in John 17 and 18. He said, as you sent me, talking to God, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Talking about his church, talking about his Christ followers. Before his ascension, these are the last words of Jesus. How many of you know if, if, if a person gives you their last words before you ever see them, those are important. Those are important. And here's what he says. Jesus says, as the Father hath sent me, I am sending you. Have you ever been sent? Have you ever been sent? I mean, maybe it's your boss said, hey, I want you to go over there on the other side of the job site, and I want to tell you, I want you to tell Billy Bob whatever that message is. So what do you do? You go. It's not your message it's not in your authority, it's in the authority of the boss. So you just show up and you deliver the message. The Lord takes all the pressure off of this for us. He said, it's my authority, it's my message, and all I'm asking you to do is to be sent. Remember when you were a child and your mother or your father said, go tell your brother and sister it's time to come in. So you would go and you were, and you know... You know how siblings always are. Mom said, it's time for you to come. And you're just hoping they'll say, I ain't coming. I ain't coming. Because you know that you can go back and tell your mom, he said he's not coming. And he's going to get it, right? So, so, so why do they come? Because you told them? No. It's the authority behind that. Is it your message? Did you just decide it's time to go home? No, it's the parent's message. Have you ever been sent? Have you ever been sent? You are a messenger sent on an assignment, and it's a message possible, not impossible. Matthew 24, verse 14 says this, staying with it. That's what God requires. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry, and you'll be saved. All during this time, the good news, the message of the kingdom, will be preached all over the world, a witness staked out in every country, and then what happens? And then the end. Every day I hear people say, oh, I saw in the news today all these tragic events going on. We're just getting so close to the coming of Jesus. Oh, did you hear about the crisis? Did you hear about the shooting? Did you hear about something else? But folks, we're from a different kingdom. We need to start saying, hey, I've heard another nation has heard the message of Jesus. We're getting closer to the coming of the Lord. More people, five more people last week gave their heart to the Lord. We're coming closer to the coming of the Lord. Another mission trip went out and people have come to the Lord. You see, we get all afraid. We watch, well, when is the ashes of the heifer, the red heifer? When are they going to rebuild the temple? When are they going to do that? Jesus said, I'm telling you real clearly, the more you hasten carrying this good news to everybody around the world, quicker it'll be for me to come back and to bring the new heaven and the new earth and set up my kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Here at the Father's House, we have a simple mission. We say we're leading people to become fully developing followers of Jesus. you hear more about that later. There's a, a beautiful story I, uh, I read once, and it was a story about Jesus going back to heaven after his ascension. And he sits down with all the angels, and, and they want to know, how, how was it? What, what all went on? And so he begins talking about his birth. He begins talking about his life. He begins talking about the people that he gathered around him, the miracles. He begins talking about his, his death to purchase the salvation of mankind. He began talking about the resurrection, and they're all so excited. And then the angel Gabriel, you know, the sensible one in the group, says, well, that's all great, but now that you're here, who's going to carry on your work? Jesus said, well, I gathered that group around me, and I sent them to the world to carry on my message. Gabriel said, are you kidding me? Peter, who denied you three times, and the rest of them who ran away from you when you were crucified, what's your second plan? What's plan B? And Jesus says, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. You see, so if we're going to carry this, if this is going to be a message possible, it means that each of us have a part to play. It's to utilize our talents, our gifts, our time, and our resources. There is no plan B. So here, here's, and so we, we just have to realize that. So point number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, and I hope you will because that's how we remember stuff. Number one, realize this mission that we're on is a life or death mission. It's a life or a death mission mission. It's a life or a death mission. Read this verse with me. The next one in your Bible is Mark 16 and also <clears throat> in your, uh, it, it'll be up on the screen, I guess. Here we are. Then he said, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Read it with me out loud. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved Whoever refuses to believe is damned. There's a story of a, a raw recruit standing in the midst of uh, his platoon. And uh, the uh, platoon sergeant says to, to them, forward march. And everybody starts marching instead of this one raw recruit. And he's standing at attention. And the drill sergeant comes over and says into his ear, is this thing working? Yes. Yes, Master Sergeant, this is working. He goes to the other side and says in his ear, Is this thing working? Yes, Master Sergeant, yes, sir, it's working. Then why aren't you marching? Because I was waiting for you to call my name out. You say, no, it doesn't work like that, does it? When the Master Sergeant says move, you move. You may be sitting here today and say, but I'm not sure that I'm part of this mission. But if he would call my name out and let me know, no, simply because that he put it in here and said, those are my followers, that's my plan. You have a mission, and it's your life mission. Look at this verse in your notes, Proverbs 24, 11 through, uh, 4, 11 through 12. Go and rescue the perishing. How many of you remember that old song? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. I don't remember the rest, but it was good, right? It was good. 
Yeah, that's it. Go and rescue the perishing. Be their savior. Why would you stand back? Would you underline this next phrase? Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to their death? And why would you say, that's none of my business. The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of souls. And not just yours. He sees through your excuses and holds you responsible for failing to help those who are threatened. He says, if you see somebody and they just keep falling off a cliff and falling off a cliff and you see people all behind them, he said, it's your job to go rescue them. They're perishing. They're staggering towards their death. They're staggering towards their death. And you say, well, it's not my fault. It's their choice. It's their choice that they're staggering. And he says, no, if you're a Christ follower, he's keeping a record, and your excuses are not going to work. Your excuses are not going to work. He's put you where you are so that you can help rescue the perishing. Now, I know when we get into something like this, immediately the devil starts trying to guilt us. I promise you in the next several weeks, I'm not going to bring condemnation onto you because you feel like you haven't done this well. And I'm not going to put more guilt on you. But I'm going to make it so simple and so easy because the devil doesn't want it that way. He doesn't want it simple and he doesn't want it easy. But I'm going to tell you, it, it's going to be pretty simple when we look at this. And it's not going to be half as hard as you think it was. You see, the Lord is not going to call you out on your behavior. He's going to call you up to your identity. He's not going to call you out on your behavior. He's going to call you up to your identity. You are a Christ follower. You are part of plan A. And he's put you in that job that you hate. He's put you in that city that you may not like. He's put you in that place. Why? So that you can rescue the perishing. So that you can say to somebody that's plunging into eternity without Christ, hey, here's an option, something different. I mean, do we still believe that people stagger to eternal death if they don't know Jesus? Do we still really believe that? Do we still really believe that if a person doesn't surrender their heart to the Lord that they are eternally lost? Or have we become so adjusted to becoming so, mm, we want to be nice. And I think we should be nice. But I was sitting last Wednesday or Wednesday before last, whenever it was, with Sippy and, and her husband. And I, and I know Sippy's pilgrim is with God. I'm not sure about her husband. And I'm thinking, man, he's been instrumental in so many things that's happening in, in Israel. He's, he's going to the Pentagon every two months, and he's doing so many things. He's such a nice guy. I really like him. And then I thought it hit to me that he can be a nice guy. But if he, didn't, if he doesn't know Jesus, he's lost. He's lost. Well, we sowed a great seed in his life. When they left the other day, he said, Terry, he said, we've been to churches all over the world, big, small, all kinds. But he said, the Father's house is the best church that we've ever been to in our entire life. That's you. That's you. That's you. But I'm thinking... How many people? There are 360,000 more people in the world today than yesterday. Think about that. 
That means there are two million more people today than last week. If we stood everybody side by side who doesn't say or confess, now that's, I mean, that's not including those who confess, but they sure don't live it. But those in the world today that don't confess Christ as their Savior, they could stand shoulder to shoulder and they would circle the world. That's 25,000 miles. But that line is growing 20 miles a day. And here's a sad statistic. The American church is not growing. The American church, the only growth as a, uh, overall, I'm saying, and I'm using that quite openly, is transfer growth. You see, well, this church is growing, but a lot of times it's just people leaving a cold denomination and joining another church. They're on the carousel of changing churches. And so we see this, this constant thing of a church. Well, this church is growing by 100, but where did they come from? Is it the people they rescued the perishing? We see churches popping up all the time. Somebody says, well, I'm going to start my own church. I'm going to get my own private parking place. I'm going to be a church. And so they, they rent a building or they rent a facility. And what do they do? Do they go out and hit the streets and rescue the perishing? No, they say to other sheep and other churches, come to our sheepfold. We have better programs. We have younger people. We have better donuts than they have. And so we have, oh, we have sheep stealers climbing over top of other shepherds to pull people together. And we've got to be careful here at the Father's house. Yes, every week we see people come to the Lord as their Savior, but we've still got a long way to go to get them to become a truly follower of Christ. And there are some of you that come from other churches, and we don't debunk that, but we're just saying our target is we want to reach the perishing that are dying without Jesus, and that's his plan, and we want to be part of it. We have to, number one, realize it's a life or death mission. We have to remember, here's the next fill-in, remember the condition of lost people. Some of you have been found so long you forgot what it was like to be lost. I mean, you don't have any lost friends anymore. In theology, it's what they call redemption and lift. You've been redeemed, redeemed from sin, and you've been lifted to another place, and now the only people that you hang around with are other believers. You don't want to deal with sinners. You don't want to deal with anybody else. That's why here at the Father's House, we challenge all of our staff. Who are you trying to reach that's an unbeliever? We have staff members that are volunteering at different places around our city so they can build bridges and invest in the lives of people who don't know Christ so that they can be part of God's plan of but who are you investing in? Who is it in your life that you know, without the Lord helping them, they're going to spend eternity away from God? Ephesians 2 and 12 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants and the promise, having, read it with me, having no hope without God in the world. If you don't have God, you have no hope. Remember, some of you forgot that. You become so adjusted that you're a really good Christian. You were once rotten. And you had no hope. God help us that we forget what it's like to have no hope. No hope. 
How are you going to change your marriage? It's hopeless. How are you going to change tomorrow? It's hopeless. But remember when somebody came to you and said, let me tell you about the hope of the world. Let me tell you about Jesus. Folks, we've got to remember the condition of lost people. We have an event coming up on the 22nd of September called Sunday Fun Day. It's an awesome time in which that we invite friends. We have a petting zoo. Let's see, what do we have? We have a petting zoo. We're going to have water slides. We're going to have free food. For those of you who missed it, we're going to have those good donuts back on that one day. They'll be here for you. We'll have coffee, all of that. It's just a, it's just a bait it's just a bait so that you can invite your friends. Service will be about an hour long, but there'll be a lot of events around so that we can do that. I'm going to start a brand new series. You, you, you'll be able to buy a new book next week called Unshakable that I did the forward for, and you'll be able to be part of that. It's how to be unshakable in a world that's being shaken apart. It's a brand new series that we're going to start. And we have these invite cards. We call them six-packs. We give out six-packs here at the Father's House. Um, some of you have the plastic sleeves. If you have a bunch of those plastic sleeves, why don't you bring them back and recycle them because we got rubber bands around these. I like my plastic sleeve, but I left them in my other trousers because I tried on three pairs of pants today and six shirts before I ever found out what I wanted to wear. So ladies, I understand. Sometimes it just doesn't look right. Stand in front of the mirror, and I think, surely this one is right. And then Nita says, you wearing that? <laughs> no, I was just trying this on to trick you and see, see what you think. So I left my sleeve in my other pocket, so I want to be sure that I get those. So I'd like the ushers to come, and they're going to pass down the buckets. This is not for your offering. This is for you to reach in and take a, a six-pack so that you can utilize those to give out to other people. And then on September the 14th, we're having a cleanup day. Say this with me. I clean for family, but I scrub for guests. If you're having family over to your house, you're going to clean up a little bit. But if you're having guests that you've never met, you're going to scrub, right? So on September 14th, we're going to scrub. We're going to cut bushes out front. We're going to pull weeds. We're going to put new mulch down. We're going to scrub. We're going to clean out some rooms in the modular so that we can have emergency resources for people that don't have food. Not a food bank, but emergency resources because we're going to scrub for guests. So take your connection card out and say, I'll be here to scrub for guests. So realize it's a life or death mission realize the condition of lost people and realize and remember the condemnation of lost people how many of you love john 3:16 you can say it with me right for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life but wait there's more don't stop there look at the next two verses for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Would you circle that word, condemn? He, he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Would you underline that condemned? 
but he who does not believe is condemned already. Jesus doesn't condemn us. God doesn't condemn us. But because we're born as a sinner, we already are condemned. People say, I can't believe that God would send anybody to hell. Hell wasn't made for humans. It was made for the rebellious angels. But you see, we're born with that sinful nature. God does not condemn us to hell. We are already condemned. Either we have two choices. Either we say, I know Jesus died for my sins, and he can take care of that, or we have to pay for our own sins. Hell is a place to pay for sins. He's already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You ever heard somebody say, I, uh, I just I felt condemned. You ever, you ever thought about, if, if I had time to ask you, what does that mean? What does it mean, condemned? Well, you know, I just, I just felt a heaviness. I, I, I just I felt like I was failing God. That's not this word condemned. You know what this word condemned is? Death sentence. Being found guilty. It's not being sorrowful. has nothing to do with feelings or remorse. It's not a bad feeling. It's a death sentence. Being found guilty of death. We were born with a death sentence. We were born in sin. But Jesus so loved us that he took your death sentence, he took my death sentence, he took your death sentence on the cross, and he died. And when he said, it is finished, what he was saying is, I have paid for the sins of anyone who wants to believe. You're no longer condemned, but now you are forgiven. Let's say, yay, God, thank you, Jesus. I wish I could tell you there was more than two destinies after life, but there's only two. There's the new heaven and the new earth, being with the Lord, or there's a hell. And the Bible says that hell was prepared for Satan and his angels. So it was created, catch this, it was created by God a perfect size to only hold the fallen angels and the devil. But the scripture said, hell has had to enlarge itself. When I saw that, I thought, was not God's intention for anybody to go to hell. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. It was created a specific, perfect size for Satan and his falling demons. But now, because of people rejecting Jesus, hell has had to stretch and enlarge. Is hell stretching and enlarging for somebody in your family, for somebody that you work alongside? I'm praying in this series that God would give us a burden to rescue the perishing, and we would never, never get over that burden. We're never more like Jesus when we are investing and caring for people. George Whitfield used to speak in tears about hell. And here's what he said. The torment of the burning like a livid coal. It's on the screen. 
not for an instant or for a day, but for millions and millions of ages, at the end of which souls will realize they are no closer to the end than when they first begun, and they will never, ever be delivered from that place. God forgive us when we think that hell is just an uncomfortable place. Listen to people talk about today. This is how they sort of think about hell. Well, that was a hell of a game, wasn't it? Well, that was a hell of a song they sang, wasn't it? Have no idea. No idea the magnitude of this place of separation from God for all eternity. Eternity is longer than 100 years. Eternity is longer than the world has even existed. The eternity is forever and ever and ever. And how can we, as Christ followers, get so comfortable living in this world that we rub shoulders with people that don't know the message of Jesus, the gospel message, and we get so adjusted to that and so comfortable to never ever saying anything about them, never even just simply saying, hey, you know what? God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. That's investing in somebody's life. Everywhere I go and I meet somebody, I say to them, what can I pray with you about? What can I pray with you about? And I take that time. What am I doing? I'm simply investing in them. You say, well, do you win them to the Lord immediately? Not everybody. Scripture says some sows, some water, but God gives the increase. Who have you invested in this week? Who have you taken time to talk about? When's the last time you've asked God to give you an opportunity to share your faith? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you prayed that you could share your faith? When's the last time you brought somebody to church with you? When's the last time you began to invest in somebody you know that's lost? Realize it's a life or death mission. Remember the condition of the lost. Remember the, con not condemn the condemning of the lost people. And number two, accept the mission with urgency. Say that with me. Accept the mission with urgency. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to accept the mission with urgency. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the real motivation to invest, invite, to bring to pass out cards, to bring somebody with you to church. <clears throat> the real motivation is not guilt. I can't guilt you into that. Guilt doesn't work. Guilt doesn't work with losing weight. You can't shame and guilt people into that. It might last for a couple of weeks, but after that it doesn't last. There's got to be a bigger motivation than guilt. And here it is. It's love. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 for the love of Christ compels us. If my grandchildren, <clears throat> I have five wonderful grandchildren, all kinds of ages, but if they were in a burning building and I knew they were in that building, it wouldn't take me sitting down and trying to figure out, do I really want to do this? I'd run into that building before I would think about anything. I may get burned, I may get singed, but I tell you, I wouldn't leave that building unless I had them and I brought them out. Somebody would say, oh, what a hero you are. Other people say, how crazy you are. 
What would cause you to do something like that? I love those kids. I love those kids. And we rub shoulders with people that are creation of God. And we're reluctant to even mention the name of Jesus to them. I mean, what, what do we think we're, we're asking them to receive? Cancer? Are, are we trying to sell them Florida swamp land? No. We're offering them good news. The greatest news in all the world. It's news about forgiveness of your past. Power and purpose in the present. And a home in heaven for your future. Where can you get a deal like that anywhere else? You say, well, how, how can I start today? A couple of ways. Show it and share it. Just say that with me. Show it and share it. Just show it. Show it. Show that you're a Christ follower and not embarrassed. I shudder to think that one day in eternity, someone would use my life as an excuse for saying no to Jesus. I saw how Terry lived, and if that's what it means to be a Christian, he's no different than me. How we live and how we talk is influencing people towards their heaven or their hell. Colossians 4 and 5 says, make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Here's the next fill-in. Someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Waiting. Rescue the perishing. I hear people say sometimes because they try to excuse away, remember? He said in the, in the Proverbs, he sees our excuses. Well, you know, Terry, I don't talk much about Jesus. I just let my life be a witness. Be in my, let my life be a witness and let people look at me. That's sort of like spiritual ego, don't you think? That's saying, I just walk into a room. And people automatically fall on their face and repent before God. Doesn't happen, does it? It didn't happen with Jesus. Jesus didn't just walk in a room and say, well, I'm sorry, it's my alarm at 10.02. Would you take out your prayer card? Because I'll talk about this in a minute. At 10.02 a.m. and p.m., I have an alarm on my phone, and I'm asking you to join me with this. Beginning today, I'm going to ask you to set a perpetual alarm on your phone, on your wristwatch, whatever you have, for 10.02 a.m. and 10.02 p.m. And a.m., we're going to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers here in our, in our harvest field, here where we are, here where we are. Look at your memory verse. This is our memory verse at the top of your notes. Would you look at it? I know you got a notes in one hand, the card in the other. These are the instructions to them. Read it with me. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so that's what we're going to do perpetually, not just for this series, but I'm going to ask you for the rest of your life until we see him come at 10.02 a.m. and 10.02 p.m., regardless of what anybody else does. In the a.m., we're going to pray, Lord of the harvest, to send labors here. Labors. Labors. I, I find it very interesting. I was, I was thinking about this this morning. He doesn't say, pray that everybody around you will get a real burden and go out. He said, you know, the harvest is great. The workers are few. The harvest is rotting on the vine, so I want you to pray for labors. Labors to take care of the kids next door. Labors to help park cars. Labors. It's an interesting day today. We had all of our camera people out today. So we have like one person on the switch or somebody elsewhere, and people are running back and forth to do camera work and over here and running that. And so we weren't able to shoot all the beautiful thought shots of Jennifer while she was leading. We had to shoot a wide enough shot. And, and so, I, so I'm thinking about this, but why, why should that be? And I, I sometimes get frustrated and say, Lord, you know, there's so many opportunities to serve in the house and out of the house. What, what's the answer? How can we? You can't guilt people into that. And the Lord said, 1002. 10.02. Let me do it. So would you read that morning prayer with me? And every morning at 10.02, wherever you are, if possible, you say, well, I, I don't want to carry this card around with me all the time. Well, then do what I saw some people do a while ago with the Whitfield code. Take your phone out, put it on camera, all right? Not selfie, all right? <laughs> put it on camera and uh, take a picture of this card. Boom, I've got it. Now at 10.02, when that goes off, then I can just go to my pictures and uh, I can pull up that prayer would you pray it with me father in the name of Jesus we set our hearts in agreement to pray as you ask us to pray we pray that you'll send workers to reach the lost in our region of the world please stir our people's hearts and open your people's eyes to the need of reaching the lost send out workers for the harvest we ask you to let the light of the glorious gospel shine into the hearts of those who are lost in darkness. Send labors across their path on a daily basis with your word, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Help them to receive Jesus as Savior and make him Lord of their lives. We pray that their whole household would be saved. Help them to find a church that is your will for them to attend so they can grow up in Christ correctly. Renew my passion to share your grace and to declare your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. So in your notes, there are two next steps for us. One is, I will pray and take action. And the second one is, I'll set the, two, the 1002 alarm. And I'd ask you to do that. I'd ask you to do that. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you would say to me today, Terry, I'm not ready to meet God. I'm far from Him. I messed up. I've made terrible choices in my life. And I know that I need a Savior. There's some mornings I wake up after the party or 
wake up after my lover has left and I feel the loneliness and the emptiness and I hear a voice saying it's time to come home. I need you to pray for me, Terry. I'm not right with God. I'm not ready to meet him. If that's you today, and you'd say, I just want to be honest. I know I'm not ready to meet him today. If I were to die right now, I know I am lost because I've been running my own life instead of him running my life. Let me pray with you today. If that's you, would you raise your hand just very boldly, very boldly raise your hand and say, I need Jesus today. Just raise it up high and say, that's me. I need Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, that's me. I need Jesus. You know that. There's nothing miracle about raising your hand and just simply saying, I'm recognizing my need for him. And those of you that are watching online, now I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. But also, I want to talk to the rest of us for a minute. Do you know at least one person that unless their life changes and you're not judging, you just know that they're not a Christ follower. They're in your sphere of influence and they're lost without Jesus. Unless something happens, they're lost without Jesus. And you've heard the truth of this message that I'm teaching today. And you say, you know what? With God's help, I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. Would you stand to your feet if that's you today? If you know somebody and you would be bold enough, you've heard this teaching today, and you say, not on my watch. Not on my watch am I going to let somebody just slip by. I'm not going to let them on my watch. That will never, never, never happen. You say, but Terry, I've tried to witness to them. I've tried to invite them. I've tried to uh, bring them to church, and uh, they won't come. They won't come. Listen, do you remember the story of Stephen? Stephen is being stoned, but there's a divine enablement that comes upon Stephen. And the scripture says they couldn't resist the spirit of Stephen. You know who was standing there that day? Saul, who later gave his heart to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray for a divine enablement to come upon you. That those of you that stood and said, I'm going to be part of God's plan. If you're a Christ follower and you're not standing, you need to get saved. You need to get saved this morning. No guilt. You just don't realize that you're lost without Jesus. You can't allow people in your sphere of influence to just go on and you never invest in their life. It's impossible. There's no way. I had cancer, they said. And uh, you're going to hear the testimony of one of our, of our guys that had macular degeneration. And God's healed him of immaculate degeneration. And all the doctors are wanting to know, how did it happen? You see, when, when you have found the answer for somebody, you don't have to, for something, uh, you don't have to impose upon them. But you're sharing them about life. I want us to pray. Would you pray this prayer with me? Thank you, Lord, for reminding me today to wake up. This friend, this family member, that you've laid on my heart. They're not going to go to hell. They're not going to leave church. But they will be attracted to you, Jesus, and to the cross. And they will boldly confess 
that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Their deliverance is coming. Their eyes are being opened. I will love them. I will pray for them. But it's your spirit that will save them. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.